Ion 2020 episode 276. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray here, your host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me. Um... I got a couple of points that I wanted to make today, and I just think that I want to, I don't know, send it a little bit of a warning, I guess, about the things that come. And you guys know that the media hypes things up a lot. They are trying to get ratings, they're trying to get viewers, they're trying to do what they do. I've been saying it all along, and they always use the the. Like, if there's a number between 200,000 people dying and 2.2 million dying, the headline will always be as many as 2.2 million can die from the coronavirus. Like, they're always going to use the most extreme number possible. They're always going to use that. That's just the way that they are in the media business. They... It, it, it's a it's clickbait. It gets you to read the headline, and it might get you to read the article. A lot of people don't read the article. A lot of people think that, and they get really terrified, really scared about what's going to happen in the future. But I wanted to give you guys a warning as well today, and this is just things I've been thinking about and things that I've been looking into, and hopefully the worst doesn't happen. Hopefully the worst does not come to pass it always can but obviously if you're prepared for something then at least it won't sneak up on you at least you're prepared at least if the worst case scenario does happen you're ready for it right and I'm not a prepper I'm not a person that thinks Armageddon's coming I'm not someone that thinks like I don't have a year food supply but at this point I sort of wish I did And this is two things that I ran into over the weekend that I wanted to bring to you. So you hear the background noise. You guys know that sometimes I do the show in my car. More often lately than not, I've been doing the show in my car while I'm driving because, to be honest, like, the family's home. My wife, you know, is not out working every single day at this point because her company basically did a shutdown as well. And when you're at home, like, when I'm at home and I do get home, they're all basically stuck in the house all day so the goal is to spend a lot of time with the family and do stuff with them and get them out of the house and and whatever doing family walks and all that stuff it's bringing us together to be honest with you we're doing a lot more stuff as a family together there's a lot more artisticness and creativity going on in the eaten household by any means but when I get home my first focus is not putting together podcasts my first focus is not doing anything except for basically you know, spending some time with my family and letting them feel like there's a little bit of normalcy to this life because when you get home, and I don't know if you guys have felt this, but if I'm at home all day long for work, let's say I'm working from home all day and then everyone else comes home in the afternoon, like they can tell that I've been working from home because I have this beat down look in my eyes of just sitting at home all day. I hate 
working at home. I'm a salesperson. I get out there and I talk to people. And if I spend a whole day working at home, it just drives me crazy. Uh, so that's why you hear the background noise in the car, uh, because I'm just doing some recording and I'm, you know, thinking about the things that are happening in this world right now. And it's just, it, it has me, there's a little bit of anxiety going on and hopefully worst case scenarios don't happen. I don't like to have the headlines of, oh, the world's going to fall apart, but let me, let me talk to you guys about this and I'll let you, and I'll let you make your own decisions and you could plan accordingly. So you've heard about a second wave happening of the coronavirus by now, right? They're saying that by about the middle of April, the nation for the United States, you're going to start seeing a peak out of the number of cases. And that's the predictions that they're making with these models right now. And some of these models are completely inaccurate. Some of them are relatively accurate, I'm sure. But the idea is that by about the middle of April or so, you should start seeing a peak in the number of cases and the number of deaths and so forth. And then at that point, you're going to start seeing it slowly go down. And by like the end of May or so, you should see less and less deaths from the coronavirus as well as less and less uh, new cases of the coronavirus to the point where by September or so, that'll be the max number of deaths. But then cold and flu season happens again and you start seeing another peak, right? You start seeing more cases of coronavirus happening to the point where by about the end of fall, so that would be around Christmas time, you're going to start seeing lots and lots of new cases, and then you're going to have that second peak, that second wave happen. That's what they've been talking about as a possibility, because obviously we don't have herd immunity, obviously there's no type of immunization that you can get right now, you can't go get your coronavirus shot, and they're saying it'll probably be more like, you know, early or the middle of winter, so probably February or March, before you start having the ability to get a coronavirus shot, if they even make a vaccination vaccination for the coronavirus in the first place, right? Some coronaviruses, there might not be a way to do a vaccination for it. Who knows? I, I was reading some articles and so forth, and they, they have, there's about five or six coronaviruses out there that are lumped in with the common cold, and there's about 200 common colds that you can possibly get that are out there. That's why there's no vaccination for the common cold, is because there's just too many variables in there. There's 200 different types of viruses that make up the common cold. There's rhinoviruses, and that makes up 75% of those. And then, you know, five or six of them are coronaviruses as well. So, people... People said, I mean, I read somewhere that there might not be a way to make a vaccination, but then the more I read, the more I realize that possibly there is going to be a way to make a vaccination for this thing. And there's a few companies out there that have some good um, possibilities and they're doing some trials and stuff like that already. But it might be, let's say at the earliest, so they, they say it usually takes about 18 months to safely produce a vac- vaccination for a virus. So let's say at the earliest they get out in 12 months. So that would be December to January. But you're still going to see a peak. You're still going to start to see a second wave possible, right? And that's where it kind of freaks me out because of this. You've seen the way that the entire world has reacted to the coronavirus now. 
countries across the globe shutting down dictators shutting down putting people in jail shooting people in the streets i think i've seen an article or a couple of reports of that to the point where there's absolute hysteria across global governments and across the globe over this coronavirus you see it with your facebook friends you see it with your family members that there's just enormous reaction to the coronavirus that people are saying stay the hell home hashtag stay the fuck home stuff like that excuse my language i try not to curse on the show but that's one of the hashtags that you see uh you have people shaming their friends for going out you know to the grocery store you have people shaming their friends for getting together with these um these socialization parties that they have you have the president of the united states and the people in his administration saying this is the time that we need to stop going to the grocery store and to the drugstore this is the key moment right now that we have to get past this thing when the prediction models already show that in the next five to ten days you're going to start seeing a you know a slowing of the growth and then ultimately a peak around the 15th or 16th but there's this terrible scare going on right now and there's this seems like a major overreaction to this thing and that that's my opinion i've heard people say differently a lot of people feel very strongly about this and i understand that but in my opinion there's been this global reaction to this virus and as the peak starts to go down as things get to normalcy in the middle like in the summertime but the fear in people's mind is going to be the second wave that's going to be the news media of the day is the second wave so here's my fear here's my fear you have businesses shut down boarded up completely all across the united states economy completely destroyed right now you have unemployment skyrocketing you have people hitting those unemployment lines trying to get the money so that they can get through their life right business is boarded up business is going out of business i've heard i mean i was talking to a restaurant owner this weekend who's a friend of mine and i was just asking him how's business right now he said we're doing 25 percent of our normal business it'll be hard to keep our employees employed it'll be hard to keep our business open that's one business owner but think about the hundreds of thousands of business owners out there right now that have put their blood sweat and tears into their business that are thinking about that they're gonna have to close up that their that their rents come and due, that their food is spoiling that their supply chains are messed up all this stuff is gonna put people out of business left and right so we have this that's happening now so let's say these businesses close their doors they board up their shop they're no longer in business anymore is anybody going to go fill that business? Is anyone going to make any business decisions over the next nine months if they think there's going to be a second wave? Will any business owner make those decisions? Will any major corporation make those decisions to invest in their business, in their infrastructure, in new capital equipment, if they know in nine months there might be a second wave again. I just think, in my mind, I'm looking at this, 
and I think it is a recipe for disaster right now over the next year because fear is going to lead the charge on this fear is going to lead the way in people's business decisions that they're going to make over the next year my friend the restaurant owner let's say he makes it through this let's say things start going okay during the summertime it's been two months he's only been doing to-go orders he's lost 25 percent of his revenue or 75 percent of his revenue and here he is knowing that there might be a second wave again will he be like you know what screw it i'm just going to close up shop anyway because i can't make it through this again or if he doesn't make it through it, is anybody going to go up, open up a restaurant in that same spot? Not until this is all over. Is Walmart going to open up that new store? Is this company going to merge with that company? Are these companies going to make decisions based upon fear nine months down the road? Absolutely they will. It's going to come into play. There's going to be less capital investment. There's going to be less investment going on. I mean, are you going to invest in your 401k and your IRA? Are you going to buy stocks and bonds? Are you going to buy... Are you going to invest your money if you know the future is bleak right now? If you know that in nine months there's going to be a second wave and global governments will react the same way that they did during this period of this, of this first wave? Nobody's going to make those investments. Are, are the angel investors that are starting new businesses that are giving people the money to buy their new or to start these new tech businesses and so forth all across the world are angel investors and hedge funds going to invest their money in a risky endeavor no one's going to take a risk over the next year everything's going to go towards the safe assets at that point the safest assets possible for the next year and those, those traditionally have been treasury bonds, and we're all, you know, as libertarians, we're skeptical of those, right? Especially when they're getting no return whatsoever. Gold, safe asset. Is that where all that money's going to go? Is that going to cause a, a bubble in those assets? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is now the time to buy all the riskier stuff or the, the stocks and bonds and so forth? Like, where where do you put your money? I just know that over the next nine months, capital investment is going to dry up, guys. And that is not just, hey, there's a month or two where we're going to be off track. But you know what? Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Once we get back to work, the economy is just going to keep trucking along. It's going to go back up to, the, you know, the Dow Jones is going to go back up to 29000 and beyond. That's not going to happen, I don't think. I mean, that's that's my opinion. I'm no forecaster. I'm not some expert at forecasting the future, especially when it comes to financial stuff, but that seems to me to be where we're going. And that's a little scary. That's a little scary. How does a year of no capital investment affect the next 10 years? or limited capital investment affect the next 10 years. My headline is not going to be the entire economy is going to be devastated and, ran, and run into the ground, but my headline is be careful, guys. Be careful. Make those decisions now. Be ready for it. 
They're talking 25 to 30% unemployment possible. And that's like conservative numbers is what I've heard in some ways. Be careful. Be ready for it, okay? Be ready for it. Now, the next thing that I want you guys to be prepared for as well is this. And this might be even scarier. I don't know. But I thought about this about a week or so ago. I started thinking about this particular scenario. And I told my wife and I said, we just need to be ready. I might even have mentioned on the show, I'm not sure but I want you guys to be ready for it as well. So, food. The I was reading in re, reuters.com, uh, I think is how you pronounce it, reuters.com, it's a website, and it's a business website. It's, uh, you know, good business information on there, lots of business news, uh, great website. But, and it should be the headline across the world right now, but I guess they don't want to terrify people, I don't know. But I thought about this a couple, like a week or so ago, and I told my wife about it. I said, listen, we just need to buy food and be ready for it because there's going to be global supply shortages and we have food shortages. And this is where it is, okay? And I, when I first thought about this, I read an article that said that Mexican migrant workers are not going to be able to be allowed in the United States unless they were able to come last year. And because they, they had to have the visa last year in order to get into the country this year and they said like 50 to 60% of the people that are uh, getting the visas every year are new workers not people that came in the year before so we're going to have 50% less migrant workers coming to the United States to pick you know the different vegetables and the different the farm workers that come over they're coming over as farm workers are coming over temporarily and so forth so let's say you have 50% Let's say, uh, I'll give a more optimistic number. Let's say 75% of these migrant workers end up coming back. We still have 25% less migrant workers coming over. And are they going to be scared to come to the United States when we have the highest number of corona cases? There's a lot of hype going on. So So we might have way less migrant workers coming over here to work. Who knows? We might have 25% of the normal migrant workers that come over here to work. But the food is not being planted. This is in Reuters. In India, the, the seeds are not being planted. The cows are being fed strawberries and stuff like that that should be going to the markets. They're being fed the food that can't get to the markets. That's what the cows are eating right now. They're just like, we gotta, feed, we gotta do something with this food, so we're just going to do that. I hear milk is just being dumped in Wisconsin. I hear all kinds of stuff about just the food is not being planted, the corn's not being planted, the wheat's not being planted across the world, rice is not being planted across the world. This is the growing season right now, guys. The food has to be planted. April, May, that's when the harvesting starts, or that's when the, uh, the, the seeds start getting planted is my understanding. And this Reuters article said across the world, the supply trains are being disrupted right now. There's less trucks to drive stuff to where they need to go. There's less people on the roads. There's less migrant workers coming to the United States. In China, they're not planting the rice. This is going to lead to a global food shortage. In America, are we going to be okay? most likely most likely we'll we'll probably see the prices go up for food 
I don't know that we'll starve to death, but you never know. We can be on the extreme side of it and say global food shortage, people starve to death across Africa. Like they were saying in Africa, they import like 85% of their rice that's produced. They consume 35% of all rice in the world in Africa. I mean, we could be looking at mass starvations across the globe. We could be looking at mass starvations, I mean, in our own hemisphere, if you go over to South America. I mean, I would hate to get to the point where it was mass starvations in in the United States, but it's happened in history, guys. It's happened in history. If you do not do the planting needed today, we're eating right now, we're eating last year's food. We're, we're living off the harvest of last year right now. Is what it comes down to. But if you don't plant the food today, you don't have the harvest tomorrow. And that affects the entire next year after that. That's the, that, that, is, that is a scary scenario in this world. If the entire world... The economy has been disrupted Disrupted right now. The supply chains are falling apart. Restaurants are, ser- spend- are serving 75% less food than they did three months ago. 75% less business. They're doing 25% of the normal business. All the supply chain that was going towards the restaurants in that direction... That food's not going anywhere. Those people are not making investments in the future right now because the future is uncertain. Will that farmer really plant crops if part of his supply chain is getting that to the restaurants? Like specialty cheeses that a restaurant would use but not you won't see in Publix or one of the grocery stores across the nation? Are they really going to make that cheese? I mean, there's lots of stuff that You don't really see in the grocery stores as much, but you'll see used in restaurants. It it could be a scary scenario. I just want you guys to be prepared for it. I want you guys to think about those things and know that, hey, you know, we can see food shortages even right here in the United States. We've never seen it. We've been a country of plenty. A country where the very poor are overweight. There's no extreme hunger in America. Yeah, you see all these signs that say 25% of kids go go to bed hungry at night. Somehow, I mean, I've never believed that number, <laughs> to be honest with you. And you hear like, oh yeah, if we don't serve school lunches, these kids are going to starve. Maybe in some inner city places, but that's not the norm in the United States, guys. We have, the poor have Netflix. I mean, the poor have flat screen TVs. The poor have 60 inch flat screen TVs in America. The poor have cell phones in America. The poor have a computer in their pocket that is more powerful than any computer from the 90s and early 2000s. Like, we live in a world of plenty right now, especially in the United States. We've never seen this 
before. We've never seen the potential before. Over the horizon, the possibility of starvation in a year because of the food supply chains drying up. And what's going to happen in that situation? That's the worry that I have is that the government tries to step in and tries to make things happen, that tries to set quotas and all these different things that governments do in order to get their way. And we saw the starvation in the Soviet Union when they started setting quotas and doing this and that because those quotas lead to what happened in the Soviet Union, especially in the Ukraine in the early 1930s when there was like 10 to 20 million people that starved to death in the Ukraine. This is what happened. And this is Ukraine, which is the breadbasket of Europe. They produce almost as much food over there as they do in the United States, the breadbasket of the world. Like that's where most of the corn and the rice and all and, uh, and like the harvested food, the wheat comes from Ukraine. It's like very fertile, lots of farms and so forth. But anyway, that was where the Soviet Union got most of their food. And what Joseph Stalin made them do is they would have these quotas. So there's something called the seed that they like. They have to keep a certain amount of seed crop in order to replant that for the next year. In order to make their quotas, Stalin would take the seed the seed, and use that for the food. Because they had to make their quotas. So then the next year, they didn't have the seeds to plant for that harvest. And it just it ended up, there was like an 18-month period where millions upon millions of people starved. Hopefully that doesn't happen in this situation. I'm not making that my headline, guys. I'm just saying be aware. I'm saying be ready. I'm saying plan now. That's all. So this was a very bleak episode, and I do apologize, but it's just the stuff that's been on my mind, and I always want to share that stuff with you guys, okay? But I appreciate you joining me every Monday and Thursday for the show. This is your Monday show. Uh, I... Hopefully we see a good horizon, you know, good things on the horizon right now. Uh, I know, so I don't know if you remember this, but this is the last point I want to make. Donald Trump a couple of weeks back had said that we don't want the, um, the cure to be worse than the disease, right? And this is what I'm thinking is that the cure might end up being worse than the disease. He backed down on that. Everyone criticized him for that, but that might have been a prophetic statement by Donald Trump himself, right? Uh, that the cure might be worse than the disease. And if that ends up happening, they will not give him credit for basic, basically saying, hey, we need to get people back to work. We need to get this economy going again. We can't just shut things down forever. That's what that's what the headline... I mean, they will, that will not be the headline down the road. They'll criticize him. They'll say, oh, he didn't do enough and da-da-da-da-da. But they will not say, hey, you know what? Maybe he was right back two or three weeks ago when he said we should probably get back to work by Easter. You know? Um, but hey, that's what, that's, that is what is, right? I am not like a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Libertarian. Some politicians do say some you know, good things, and I think it probably would have been a good thing to maybe relook at things. Maybe take a different stance on how we're going to you know, fix this whole coronavirus thing. Maybe lock up the old people for a while 
you know, I mean, that's not the libertarian solution either, but maybe have some personal responsibility, stay away from your grandma, stay away from those people, especially if you feel sick. And if you don't feel sick, still stay away from them because you could be a carrier and not know it. 50% of people are. And at that point, that could have been a better solution than, hey, shut down the entire economy because now we're all going to, you know, have the possibility of starving to death in, in a year. Like I said, you know, that's the that's what I was talking about just a few minutes ago. So anyway, guys, uh, I appreciate you. I really do. I, you know, I'm very happy to see that the numbers continue to grow in the show. Share it with your friends if you think uh, what you hear is good. Also, you can give me a five-star rating review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen if you... Uh, you know, really like the show as well. And then you could also follow me on iontheempire.com and I have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, I on the Empire. Just type that in and you'll find that there as well. And then uh, on Twitter, I on the Empire as well. So go ahead and do that. You can also message me through those two sites also. Then come on back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020. 